Hey, I'm Natasha Crane. And I'm Elisa Childers. Welcome to Unshaken Faith, where we equip you to live your Christian faith boldly in a chaotic culture. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us that the human heart is deceitful and wicked. Ephesians 2.3 tells us that before we trust in Christ and become adopted into God's family, by nature we are children of wrath. In fact, scripture tells us in Psalm 14.3, as well as in other places, that there is no one who does good, not even one. Together we've turned aside from God and become corrupt. But in popular deconstruction stories, it's common for people who are leaving the faith to claim that these teachings are actually toxic and abusive and that humans are actually good by nature, so we should trust our hearts and and our hearts will guide us rightly. Well, recently, Natasha wrote an article called A Christian Response to a Viral Deconstruction Post, and I really strongly recommend that you all go and read that at natashacrane.com. Well, the same lady who wrote the viral deconstruction post uh, to which Natasha responded has continued to post some very popular comments about her deconstruction online. So we're going to respond to one of her comments today in which she makes the popular claim that you can trust your heart because your heart is, quote, pure, end quote. So we'll get into it in just a moment. But first, we have an announcement. And instead of our typical tips of the week, we're going to switch it up a little bit and give our unpopular opinions of the week. Natasha, what's the announcement? And then I want to hear your very unpopular opinion. Well, I'm a little afraid to give my unpopular opinion because it is so unpopular. But before, it's that unpopular. It's that unpopular. <laughs> but before I give it, our next Unshaken Conference is just three weeks away. Elisa Frank Turk and I will be in Nashville on November 4th. Even if you're not in the Nashville area, think about flying in. I mean, we keep saying this, but really we always meet a lot of people at these conferences who are coming from all over. In fact, I just wanted to read you some feedback from, that somebody sent in from our Arizona conference in September because it reflects just how great it is that people are flying in for this. She said, quote, what an amazing experience. We organized a girl's trip and flew in from South Dakota. So they went from South Dakota to Arizona. It was encouraging to be around so many like-minded people, but that's not all. Like-minded isn't enough anymore. These were proactive, truth-seeking individuals not satisfied with staying silent and following suit. Thank you for this conference and the fire at lights and people. We are not ashamed of the truth and we will not let it be compromised, end quote. I love that. I love, I love what she said there. And it's kind of like we talked about in our last episode about sometimes you can feel lonely having a biblical worldview in the church. So if you ever feel like that, you're going to want to get to an Unshaken Conference and you'll be so encouraged. So get your tickets at unshakenconference.com. Okay. Well, here it is. I don't know if people are going to just shut the episode off after this, (laughs) but for a really unpopular opinion, I'm going to say that C.S. Lewis is a bit overrated. (laughs) Elise, are we still friends? (laughs) I think we have to shut down the podcast now. <laughs> we've n- we've never addressed this before. I don't know. We might have some follow up. I know. I feel like I'm going to get stoned for this. But, you know, I think his books are really good, but not at some mind blowing level that you might expect, given how often he's quoted, like, a, you know, like a true authority in the church. So I remember reading Mere Christianity and having these huge expectations and thinking at the end, okay, that was a great book, but there are lots of great books. And then the screw tape letters, I mean, this is an absolute.
absolutely brilliant concept. I love, 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 love it. But I felt like it could have been executed in a clearer way, more sequential way. And mm. I started reading The Abolition of Man this summer. And I honestly didn't want to finish it because it was so <laughs> convoluted relative to the ways that he could have said things. So it's just not my style. There it is. A very, very unpopular opinion. I'm oh, sorry, man. everyone. I've disappointed people. I know. Forgive you, I, I wonder though, do you think that maybe part of the reason for that is because you had read so many other apologetics books and maybe when he was writing, it was kind of the first time people were saying these kinds of things. At it least could have been. Yeah. In culture. It, it could have yeah. been, but still, it seems like everywhere you go there and maybe he just has a lot of great quotes. Maybe it's just that, yeah. you know, there are some succinct, really helpful, good quotes that people use, but I, I don't know the full books. Like, like I said, they're really good, but maybe just not the level that I would expect given his popularity. Well, I will say I didn't care for his fiction. I tried to read his uh, fiction books, so I can at least join hands with you on that one. <laughs> Thank you for building but, that bridge. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just get olive branch there. Um, so, but my unpopular opinion, I don't know, maybe I'll get stoned worse than you because it has to do with a friend of C.S. Lewis and oh boy. his work. <laughs> so I, um, well, I'll start with, you know, popular opinion. I loved the movies, Lord of the Rings. Lo I love them. I watch them all the time. Um, but I, I did not care for the books. So there I've said, you it. can I feel tried... the collective silence from everyone I listening. Know. I tried to read Lord of the Rings. I loved the Hobbit. I read the Hobbit, loved it, tried to read Lord of the Rings. And I just felt like, okay, they're walking and now they're walking more and now they're walking around this mountain Another walking through that valley, another walking again, and there's trolls. Another walking again, which is, <laughs> I couldn't get into it, and I didn't finish. So, you can all unsubscribe. I know from the rankings just tanked as now. of today. You know, I, I think we should maybe go from tips to more unpopular opinions next time. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, thin the herd. <laughs> thin the herd to those who really care what we have to say. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, as Lisa said, it's really common today for people who deconstruct to talk about their problems with the biblical teaching that humans are sinful by nature. That is an unpopular opinion. Speaking of unpopular opinions, right? To say that humans are sinful by nature. But there is this often strong emphasis on the deconstructor's new belief that humans are actually good and the heart is not deceitful as the Bible teaches. So this is very, very common. So I want to read this comment that we're going to respond to today, and then we're going to use it as a case study to think through the claims and what she's saying here. So here's the comment. Quote, if you've been hurt by your religion, my heart goes out to you. I know the pain of not recognizing the God you've grown to love and the people who claim to represent him. I know the pain of seeing your God as something far different than the father they said he was. And I know the pain of your family turning, your faith family turning on you when you try to speak your truth. My religion told me that my heart was deceitful above all things and beyond cure, Jeremiah 17, 9. Anytime I felt deep in my heart I should do something, I ignored it because my heart couldn't be trusted. My heart was wicked. I could only trust Jesus, but I couldn't tell the difference in when it was Jesus and when it was just my heart. Probably because my heart isn't deceitful. I can trust my heart. My heart is me. My heart is myself. My heart is pure. It always has been. I make mistakes and poor choices. Yes, I don't always do the right thing, but my heart knows that. My heart feels bad when I do the wrong thing because my heart is good and I believe yours is too. End quote. So that's what we want to talk about today and break this down a little bit. But first of all, 
we have to recognize and have compassion for the pain that's expressed here. I think you can hear it in those words at the beginning. There's a lot of pain behind just about all the deconstruction stories that are out there. So when we see a comment like this, it's a good idea. And we're not just saying this as like check the box to, to say this, but it's a good idea to really and truly stop and pray for the person because that helps to make sure our hearts are in the right place also if or when we choose to respond. These are real people behind all these online interactions. Always, always remember that. With that said, we want to take a look at some of the inconsistencies in the thinking here so that we can help show how to engage with people who are seeing things in this way, which again is so common today. So first, notice that she has a bit of a misconception about what the Bible's talking about when it speaks of the human heart being corrupt or deceitful. When the Bible says that, it doesn't mean that our hearts or our feelings are always wrong. So even atheists can recognize that there are certain things that are morally good. And as Christians, we know from the Bible that that's the case because the law of God is written on all of our hearts. It says this in Romans 2.15. So when the Bible says our hearts are deceitful, it means that they are bent toward sinful choices. Our natural inclination is to go our own way. But what the Bible is not saying is that we have absolutely no clue whatsoever as to what is right or wrong in the first place. It just means we can't trust everything that our heart tells us because our desire, our bent, is often to do what we know is wrong in the first place. Right. And I think this also needs to be held in tension with the doctrine of the Imago Dei, that everybody who's ever been born has been made in the image and likeness of God. And because of that has inherent dignity and value and worth. So when we talk about having a sin nature, um, we're not saying we're worthless or that we're nothing, but that we just kind of tend to want to go our own way. We're bent towards sin, as as you put so well, Natasha. Um, well, I think another thing to be aware of here is that she expresses that she didn't have any idea how to tell whether or not what she was feeling in her heart was just her or if it was Jesus. And um, this, this, I think, is why biblical authority is such an important doctrine for Christians to understand and embrace. Because, I mean, there have been many times in my life when I honestly wasn't sure what I should do in a particular situation. And so for the Christian, the Bible settles every argument. If you feel you should do something that the Bible condemns, you don't have to wonder which one is correct. You know your heart got it wrong right there, right? So the Bible is like our straight stick, and it's that, that measuring stick, that straight stick by which we can know what a crooked stick even looks like. So that in morally, in morally speaking terms, you know, we have this straight stick of the Bible to know what crooked looks like and what, you know, less than perfect looks like. And so we should embrace that doctrine of biblical authority to help with that. Right. And, and there can also be times we should acknowledge that when we make a decision or we want to make a decision about something and we're not sure what we should be doing, kind of like what she says, you know, is it what we want or what we what God wants? Sometimes it's not a moral issue. So there are the times where like Elise is saying, like, this is just you go to the Bible and the Bible is going to tell you what, whether you feel this is right or not. God has already said that this is right or this is wrong. Other times, I think Christians kind of struggle with, well, what is God's plan for my life? You know, should I continue living here or should I move to another city? In other words, it's not something that God says is right or wrong, and the Bible doesn't clearly speak to it. So how do you know if God wants that for you? And I, I don't know if that's the kind of thing that maybe she's also talking about. But if anyone wonders about that, I just want to point you to a really outstanding podcast episode that Greg Kokel did recently, and it was called Decision Making and the Will of God. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But it's just it, it, he gives a really helpful framework for thinking through mm -hmm. those kinds of decisions where, you know, God doesn't have a plan for absolutely every specific thing in our life. How can you make those decisions and know that it's within God's will? Well, that's what he addresses there. So I just want to point you to that. 
Well, the next thing that we wanted to, to point out in what this lady says who wrote the comment is that she decides that her heart is not, in fact, deceitful. That was kind of her conclu conclusion there. She believes her heart is pure and it's good. And the evidence of this, she says, is that her heart feels bad when she does wrong things and then good when she does good things. So notice that everything in that sentence assumes moral categories of good and bad. But we've talked about this a lot on the show, but we want to just really hammer this point home because it comes up so much in these kinds of conversations. If God doesn't exist as a moral lawgiver, which seems to be her due position as an atheist, we're presuming, if God doesn't exist to give a moral law, there can be no objective moral law that applies to all humans. So there would be no objective standard for determining anything to be good or bad. Everything would simply be a matter of every person's opinion. So as our friend Frank Turk says, she's stealing from God to make a case against God. She says that her heart feels bad when she does the wrong thing because her heart is good. But the reality is that she feels bad because she's broken an objective moral law that God has put in place. And she's done so because her heart isn't good. So in other words, she's pointing to the assumed existence of objective categories of good and bad as evidence that she's a good person because she knows the difference between them. But her knowledge of good and bad has nothing to do with whether her nature is predisposed toward doing what is good or bad. Those are different questions. So if objective morality exists, that points to the existence of God, not to how good she is with her moral choices. Right. And, and also, it just needs to be pointed out that our hearts do deceive us, as the Bible says. And I can give a couple of examples just from current cultural ideals that people think are actually morally good. One would be the, the issue of abortion. In our culture, it's not just considered okay to have an abortion. It's actually considered a justice issue. So that's why we have the redefinition of terms where it's not pro-abortion and it's not even necessarily pro-choice anymore. It's called reproductive justice. And so it's actually considered in the hearts of many, 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 many people in our culture to be completely just and morally good to give a woman a right to kill the baby in her womb. And I think this is such an important example because uh, Clay Jones, and you've, I'm sure you've read this book, Natasha, wrote a book called Why Does God Allow Evil? And he talks about how genocide researchers to a person agree that it's like normal people who commit genocide because their hearts become persuaded that what they're doing is morally good. And we see examples of this all throughout history. And I think a modern day example, and this is one he gives, is the issue of abortion, where most people actually think that's a moral good. So our hearts do lie to us. I and mean, we're telling kindergartners that they can uh, switch from one gender to the other, that they get to decide what their gender is and that it's not rooted in biology. And as a result, we're seeing irreversible damage being done to teenage bodies, breasts being removed, body parts being removed, and of course, puberty blo blockers and, and medications that are irreversible in many ways and cause all, a whole host of health problems. And yet people's hearts are telling them that these things are good. So I think... It's, it's really difficult to make a case that your heart always knows just on its own, because as the Bible says, our hearts deceive us. Yeah, that, that's really good. There are so many examples of that today. And, and like we said, this is the ultimate unpopular opinion. 
to tell people that yeah. you know this you're just the whole episode today. I know we didn't even intend that connection, so that's funny. <laughs> but you know, it you, no one wants to hear that they are that they're bad by nature, that they're sinful. Everyone wants to hear that they're good. In fact, you know, this is uh, I didn't even occur to me before we were doing this, but I think this is one of the things that when uh, Arizona Christian University's Cultural Research Center when they do the research on biblical worldview to look at well, you know, what are some of the things that people tend to get wrong that are not part of a biblical worldview even though they might have a lot of other things that are consistent with it. This is one of the top ones in the list. And I don't remember how they phrased it, but it was basically that they believe people are fundamentally good. So this is a pervasive belief within the church, even um, that goes against what the Bible teaches. And a lot of people don't even realize, because if you're not reading the Bible, maybe you think it sounds good. Well, yeah, you know, God created us as image bearers. And so we're fundamentally good. But like we addressed on another episode, there's a big difference between your value and how God created created you and then what we do with the free will that he's given us in terms of the moral choices that we make. So even though it's an unpopular opinion, it is not just an opinion. It is the truth based on what the Bible teaches that we are sinners and are children of wrath by nature, like Elisa said earlier. So we need to stick firm on truth and tell culture even what it doesn't want to hear. Well, thanks for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Elisa Childers podcast and the Natasha Crane podcast for more long form episodes where we go deeper into topics like these. For now, let's remember that as Christians, we have a firm foundation to stand on that as Psalm 62 puts it, is our rock and salvation, our fortress where we will never be shaken. Mm-hmm.